Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so excited uh, that you joined us today. Today, my special guest is New York Times bestselling author, Gwen Cooper. Gwen will uh, be discussing her new book, Love Saves the Day. So we're excited to talk to Gwen and find out more about the book and everything she's got going on. So it's going to be a fun-filled day. So thanks so much for joining us. Uh, We're going to take a little commercial break. Hang tight. We'll come back with Gwen Cooper. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Petco. Where the pets go. Petco. Where the pets go. Pet Life Radio has tail wagging, fur flying, fabulous deals for our listeners from Petco. Get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off the entire Petco site. That's right, but that's not all. Because you're a Pet Life Radio listener, you'll also get free shipping on your order of $49 or more. $6 off, up to 40% off, and free shipping from Pet Life Radio and Petco. To get these, awesome deals go to petcodeals.com that's petcodeals.com petco where the pets go i'm not much of a reader but i do wish i were more well read there are so many great books coming out i wish i could find a way to keep up audible.com makes it easy to stay well informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening audiobooks from audible turn downtime into uptime you'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link. And joining me now is New York Times bestselling author, Gwen Cooper. And once again, talking about her recently released book, Love Saves the Day. Gwen, welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a joy. We, we love seeing it. I'm, I'm so excited about the, uh, the new book and the new piece of work. It's fantastic. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the uh, storyline and the premise behind the book? Sure. Well, the book is called, as you said, Love Saves the Day. And it is about a mother and a daughter, her adult daughter, who have a, a strained relationship and the cat who, who sort of becomes the bridge between them. And the story is narrated mostly from the perspective of the cat. Uh, she is a, a rescue tabby named Prudence. And, you know, that's uh, you know, one of those stories with, with ups and downs and an emotional high and low points and, and all that good stuff. But, of course, it, it was just so much fun trying to, to write things from a cat's perspective and, and getting into a cat's mind that way. And I hope that readers find the reading of it as much fun as I found writing it. Yeah, I think it's fantastic uh, getting something from a cat's perspective, trying to put yourself into a cat's mind, if we as mere humans could ever figure out what a cat is really thinking. Well, of course, that's the challenge. You, you know, the first is, it's one of those things where as I was writing, I, I, I kept questioning the extent to which I, I was confident in, in what I believed a, a cat might be thinking or how a cat might respond. Of course, we have cats here, so 
I got to spend a lot of time observing them, and I think they probably were starting to wonder why I was, you know, following them around so much and, and taking notes. But, uh, <laughs> but they didn't complain. God bless them. So there you go. There you go. You know, just extra love, extra treats is always a good thing for them. They never say no to extra treats in this house. That's right. It's a good thing. So when sitting down, when you're getting ready to write the book, I'm sure like most uh, authors, most writers, there's a lot of different storylines, a lot of different concepts, ideas, things you want to write. How did you come about to select this book? How did you say, okay, this is really something I can sink my teeth into? You know, it was really a, a series of gradual steps. I remember, uh, well, actually, the, the initial idea, truthfully, my publisher came to me uh, after my last book, Homer's Odyssey, which was a memoir about my blind cat, Homer, and asked me if I would be interested in writing a novel from a cat's perspective. And my first thought was, I have no idea what that book would be about. And the second thought that I had was, but the cat would have to be just like my cat, Scarlet, because Scarlet is, is one of those... Uh, She's a very deep and, and loving heart for the people that she likes, but that's a very short list. And, and so she uh, has a certain kind of aloof and, and judgmental demeanor. And it just struck me as the perfect perspective for a cat narrator, you know, to have a little bit of distance from the humans that she's talking about so she can observe them and uh, with a certain degree of honesty, but also, you know, in enough emotional resonance to, to carry the story. And so really from there, you know, it, once I had an idea in my head of what the cat's personality would be like, then I guess everything sort of started to unfold. You know, you start imagining, once you have the character, you start imagining her in different situations. And, uh, and, and it sort of all started coming together. Yeah, and in the book, did you find it more difficult to try to take on the persona of the cat and the life of the cat and what they would be thinking and doing? Or was it equally as difficult to get in the minds of the uh, human characters are in the book? Well, I will say honestly that, you know, writing, there are three different narrators in the book, uh, the mother, the daughter, and the cat. The cat tells two-thirds of the story, and the mother and daughter between them split the other third. And it's interesting because, for the most part, it was easier to write the human characters just, you know, because it is something that came more naturally to me. You know, when, when you're writing from a cat's perspective, you find yourself asking the question a lot, you know, is this a word that a cat would use? And, and that just starts you down a whole path of, of self-doubt of, uh, well, cats don't use words. Well, how am I going to convey things in words, uh, you know, from a cat's perspective? So it was definitely easier to work with the human characters, but I will say that I think because I worked, you know, I spent so much time really getting into that voice, that, that the voice of Prudence, who is the, the cat who narrates the book, um, just really came to live inside my head very, very strongly. So when I wrote the human characters, I, I did really have to take a few days to, to just kind of get Prudence's voice out of my head so that I could write them the, the way that they should be written. Yeah, and I can imagine that would be a challenge to try to do that. Plus the challenge, I would imagine, of uh, bringing some real life and uh, texture to the humans. Because once you delve, I can imagine you delve into the mind of the cat, which can be really fascinating and interesting and char- you know, a lot of fun characteristics in there. Now you've just got humans, which you know, we're not all that exciting sometimes. Well, it's, uh, you know, what I actually tried to do, a, a big part of the story is set in the Lower East Side and downtown arts and music scene of New York in the 70s and 80s, which, which is just such a really gritty and, and fascinating time in, in the history of the city of New York, and it's sort of right on the brink of gentrification, you know, when, when things were kind of seedy and sort of underground and, and started becoming a little bit more polished and, and expensive. And so there were so many inherently interesting things going on in that time and place that it really informed the characters. It added a lot of, I think, texture and interest to their story. So, you know, the, the cat's voice, I think, is probably the most fun, but then the humans who are kind of out in the city and, and experiencing this time in its history are, are observing and reporting on such interesting things that I think it balances out pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, from a writer's aspect, I want to switch in gears slightly and talk about the writing aspects of things. What was the process of writing the book? How long did it take? Was uh, Do you have a dedicated regimen like some writers have where they're writing you know, one or two hours a day no matter what? Or is it uh, whenever the, uh, the whim hits you or at least when the editors are demanding it? <laughs> Well, it's, it's sort of a combination of all of those things. I, I will tell you that, that overall, it took me two and a half years to write a first draft of the book that I hated and then three weeks to write a draft that I was really happy with. So, <laughs> so it's was, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, kind of like shaking a ketchup bottle is, is the way that I like to say. You, know, you shake and you shake and you shake and, and nothing comes out. And then all of a sudden, it's all there. I did have something. I, I had a complete draft, and, and I just felt that I hadn't really nailed the, the character of the cat, that there were still, you know, there were things that I just wasn't getting to. And then, you know, it was almost like you, you, I had to have the whole thing so I could see what the book was not supposed to be, because it just made it very clear what the book was supposed to be. And the process of writing that first draft that I discarded was, was very disciplined and very regimented. Look, it's, it's a job. It's, it's what mm-hmm. I do for a living. And so you get up in the morning and, and this is what you do. You do sometimes have to take a day off to recharge the batteries. But for the most part, I approached it that way. But then the three weeks of writing right before my deadline, when I essentially rewrote the whole book from scratch, was not very disciplined. It was just sort of like a, a wild, crazy bender, you know, where just up at five in the morning and, and writing for, you know, 15, 16, 18 hours at a stretch. And, wow. Uh, Handing off pages to my husband, who's an editor, to read and uh, getting his notes and, and going back and, and writing some more. Wow, that's fascinating. So how did you – I know as a writer um, and an author, sometimes it's difficult to not catch or read your material as you're writing it. So for instance, they always say, you know, don't worry about the editing, don't worry about the typos, all these things. Write until you're done and then move on. Don't go back and try to redo everything as you're writing it. How did you go from from not doing that? Because it sounds like you weren't really uh, – you, you had the first draft done, and I'm assuming then you reread it and decided, mm, that's not quite what I thought it was going to be? Yeah, well, you know, I kind of knew as, it was, as I was going along that it wasn't quite what I felt it should be. But at a certain point, you know, it can become very inhibiting, I think, as a writer, sort of to your point, if you decide that you're not going to write anything down until it's perfect. If you sit down at the sheet of blank paper saying, I'm not going to commit any words to this page until it's perfect in my head, you'll almost never get anything done. Very rarely does something come to you that way. So I will say that the, you know, the second draft is not so radically different from the first draft. I mean, in terms of, of the story and the plot and the things that happened to the characters, it was just a matter of rewriting, I, I think some of the more important aspects. But yeah, so it was really, you know, I wrote, like I said, I wrote that first draft and I kind of knew in my head as I was going along that it was not exactly what I wanted it to be. But I continued writing it because I felt that there would be something in there that would kind of trend in that direction. And I waited until I was finished. And I think you just gained a certain clarity of perspective when you're looking at a whole piece instead of something that's in progress. Like I said, I really, I think it just needed to be written the wrong way so that I could see what the right way was. But I always encourage other writers not to wait until you think it's perfect in your head and you have the whole thing in your head and then start writing because you just never get anywhere that way. Yeah, exactly. Those two and a half years plus three weeks turn into 20 some years and you still got setting on your shelf. <laughs> that's uh, exactly right. <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, uh, but we'll come back with uh, Gwen Cooper, talk a little bit more about her latest book, Love Saves the Day, talk to her a little bit about writing. And then I want to talk to Gwen a little bit about animal welfare and her involvement there with the animal welfare organization. So we're excited about that. So everybody stay tuned. We'll be right back after these commercial breaks from our sponsors. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. 
X-Power is a global brand that offers a complete line of stand dryers, cage dryers, and multiple blasters that cater to both home and professional groomers. Designed to be quiet, lightweight, and powerful, X-Power pet dryers will save you time, energy, and money. The X-Power B2 Pro at Home Dryer is the perfect gift for family and friends. Please check out our specials at viperpet.com and amazon.com. For more information, visit xpower.ws or call 855-855-8868. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to Communicate with Animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download learning to communicate with animals you'll be glad you did when you're looking to add a pet into your life consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group whether you want a kitten puppy or a more mature pet a purebred or a -a one-of-a-kind mixed breed even a rabbit or hamster your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere all screened for good health and behavior PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take Me Home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is Tim Link, your host. And we're here with uh, Gwen Cooper. Talk to her about her latest book, Love Saves the Day. Now, Gwen, you're, as you mentioned in the, uh, the first half, you had an overwhelming success. Big kudos for your uh, best-selling book, uh, your memoir, Homer's Odyssey. Just a fantastic book, and I and I think, uh, in my opinion, you know, you list the top ten animal books out there. It's definitely right there in that top ten. Now, from that, you came out with Love Saves a Day. You've got a novel now instead of a memoir. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the uh, the differences in the writing structure behind that. Is it was it more challenging, or was it easier, or just totally different? Well, it's it's different and more difficult, I think, to write a novel than a memoir. At least for me, it was. Um, you know, when you're writing a memoir, the challenge, of course, is always to make sure that you stay disciplined because in any life, there are so many things that happen that, that you might want to talk about or that might sound interesting to you, but you want to keep the story focused. And, and writing Homer's Odyssey, it was a little bit easier in the sense that I knew I was writing the story about my cat, and so if it had nothing to do with the cat, then no matter how interesting I might think it was, it was not something that belonged in the story. But you have a finite number of options, ultimately, because things you're writing about things that actually happened, and, and they happened happened the way that they happened. And that's what you're writing. Whereas with a novel, there are literally infinite possibilities. And 
so every choice that you make is, is a complicated choice and is complicated in part because there are so many other choices that you potentially could make. Again, at a certain point, you have to pick a direction and go in it and, and not drive yourself too crazy and, and you have to let your characters kind of exist and get to the place where you're following them around rather than pushing them where you think they should go. But, but it's, for me at least, definitely more challenging to write fiction than nonfiction. But also... I, for me also, I, I think more creatively fulfilling. Yeah, and from a, a nonfiction standpoint, you know, I agree with you on the fact that you have the material. It is what it is. You know, life is what it is. But the question behind that is how do you keep that interesting? Because what may be interesting about your cat that you think is just totally fascinating, the readers may think, well, you know, every cat does that or I have a cat does that. Is it harder from that aspect to get people excited about the things you've experienced with that? Or do you find it uh, the fact that it's more relatable because people do go through those things? Well, you know, they, they say that, that, that good writing always manages to convey the universal through the specific. And, and that is, of course, always the challenge when you're writing about something, you know, like, like the life of a cat, which in a sense be, is very, very common because there are so many cats and, and a third of everybody in this country lives with a cat. And yet you want to tell a, a specific story. I, I think, you know, for me, what I always felt with Homer, uh, people were always fascinated by Homer, just this idea of this cat with, with no eyes and, and who's completely blind. And navigating the world and navigating his life. And so I think that that is an inherently interesting twist on the my cat does the same thing sort of story. So you have this one you know, unique situation with, with a cat who is blind, and yet on the other hand, he's doing a lot of the things that, that other cats do, which is surprising because most people would not have expected a blind cat to be able to do the things that, right. that other cats do. And, and so it, it became, you know, in a sense, very specific and yet also very universal. And that is kind of the point of the story, um, that Homer is a cat, just like other cats. And, and blind cats are cats, just like other cats, and can live great lives and be wonderful companions. And so I think it worked out, in the case of at least this particular animal memoir, I think it worked out really well. Oh, yeah, it worked out fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yes. I meant from my perspective as a writer, but I thank you as a reader for agreeing with me. Yes, well, I agree with you on both of those. So big kudos once again on the <laughs> thank book. Thank you. So then you've got a, uh, in Homer, you've got a, a real life cat here and he's gone through all these challenges. So you can, re, you know, the reader can, you know, relate to that type of situation. How do you build up such a character in Love Saves the Day? How do you get them to relate to that particular cat that's running most of the book or a third of the book at least? Well, again, you know, I, I based uh, the, the character of Prudence, who's the cat who narrates most of Love Saves the Day, on my cat, Scarlet. And, and so, in a, in a sense, part of that was made easier because I, I was basing her on a real-life cat. So, so when I was trying to imagine things a cat might do, I would look at the things that my cat, Scarlet, actually did do. And, you know, and again, though, I think Scarlet is, is a very specific type of cat that the cat lovers recognize immediately. That, you know, she has a reputation for being aloof, and yet privately and, and with the select people that she loves. She's very, very affectionate. And also, you know, just she's self-important in ways that are really funny to observe as a, as a person, you know, watching this little cat who's very convinced that she's the grand dame of the household. Live her life and, and navigate through the world. So, you know, she was a great character just walking around my apartment waiting to happen. And, and I was very lucky. I was always lucky to have her in general, but certainly during this writing process. 
Yeah, so it gives you a good uh, case study to work on. <laughs> exactly, and uh, and like I said, I, I just always secretly suspected that she was judging me. So I uh, I got to follow that idea too with, with a cat who's observing her human companions very closely and making some pretty shrewd judgments about their true motivations and and the things that they're really thinking and what she's able to discern is a cat who notices things that humans do not notice about each other and uh, and it was fun stuff it really was. Yeah, that's great. Now the um, the book in general, you said you know it took uh, two and a half years to write. Threw that out. Start again three weeks later. How is a, a writer and an author? How do you mentally put up with that? Because if it's like me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm anxious. I'm ready. Say, to ask go. my husband; he'll tell you not very well. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right because you, I know at least I'll speak for myself. It's um, whether it's writing an article or a book or something. Uh, you know, I get excited about a project, but I want it done. You know, I, I want to get it done. I want to see it on the shelves or in the eBooks or whatever it may be, doing something, spending something for uh, such a length of time on one project, uh, isn't it uh, mind-boggling at times? It is, but you know, it's interesting because my background in, before I became a writer was in marketing communications, and actually I started off in nonprofit, and I produced large-scale events, uh, fundraisers, I produced the event launch for the, the Truth Anti-Tobacco Campaign which was just a huge monster of a collection of events. And, you know, what, what you really learn from that is, is that you have this huge, overwhelming project, and, and there are so many different things that have to go into it. And you have a deadline for when it's going to happen. So it seems really overwhelming, and the thing that you do is you just keep breaking it down into smaller and smaller and smaller pieces, and then focus on one small piece at a time until it's done, and you cross it off the checklist, and eventually you work up to having the whole thing done. And that is very much how I approach writing. You know, it's, it's overwhelming to sit down and think about writing a book, but you write a chapter and you work on that chapter and you give that chapter some room to breathe in and see where it's going and, and think about, you know, what direction it's pointing you in and so on and so forth. And it's, you know, I, everybody works differently, but I always encourage people who just look at it as a huge overwhelming task to sit down and write a book to just write a chapter, write half a chapter, you know, give yourself a really attainable goal to start out with. And, and if you put enough small attainable goals together, eventually you have a whole project. There you go. And I think it's, I think it's a good uh, formula for life in general, isn't it? I think so. You know, you know as I said, I, I came to that philosophy working on, on large events, but I think it really, you know, with, most, with almost anything that, that is challenging or complex in life and, and anything that you do in your personal or professional life, it, it's always going to be about doing one thing at a time and doing that well and, and you know, working up to the big picture in a series of steps. Now you mentioned uh, doing work uh, in your your previous life as in yeah. working with some nonprofits. Tell us a little bit about your uh, work with uh, animal welfare organizations. Yeah, well, actually, it's uh, it's sort of exciting because for for Love Saves the Day, instead of doing a tour of of bookstores, I'm actually making a tour uh, a national tour of no kill shelters. I'm going to be visiting shelters in about 15 shelters, rescue organizations, sanctuaries in about 15 different cities across the country, 15 to 20. I've always been involved in nonprofit and animal rescue. And since the publication of Homer's Odyssey, I've just heard from so many wonderful rescue organizations who are doing such amazing work and who really, really embrace Homer and his story, I think, because there are so many special needs animals out there who just languish in shelters because people are sometimes reluctant to adopt an animal with special needs. And so I, you know, I, I had this idea that the book is called Love Saves the Day, and, and love does save the day for millions of abused and abandoned animals in this country every year through the work of, of 
rescue organizations and volunteers. And so, you know, we're hoping to draw some, some local and national attention to the things that these rescue organizations are doing and the amazing things they do, not just for animals, but for their entire communities. And it's exciting. I've been speaking to, to shelters and rescue groups nonstop for, for the last several weeks, and it's just been unbelievable, uh, the people I've been talking to and the things they're doing. That's fantastic. Giving back. And it is, obviously, I'm a, a big proponent of animal rescue and been in, uh, involved in that and, and was the president of a no-kill shelter myself. And when my book came out, I went on a, a national tour. So I did a little bit different, but I always teamed up with a rescue organization. So they always appeared on the uh, television shows, speaking events, uh, did uh, fundraisers, et cetera. And it was just it was so wonderful to be able to give back, uh, get the notoriety to the groups. And uh, they're actually great marketers as well. Yeah, well, and as you know, awareness is half the battle, both of the work that a specific organization is doing and then also the cause that they're supporting. And, and so it's always great when you can find an opportunity to, to tie, you know, another event that relates well to something that an animal rescue group is doing. And, um, you know, I also, in, when I toured with Homer's Odyssey, we worked in some cities with a rescue group and, and they would be at the reading. You know, this time, instead of bringing the rescue groups to the bookstore, I'm going to try to bring the, uh, the bookstore concept to the rescue groups and, and see how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. Get people uh, the awareness, as you mentioned, is a perfect way to do it. You've got some uh, great volunteers that you're giving back to and, uh, you know, get the people to uh, recognize and, and tour the facilities if it's at an actual uh, uh, shelter or sanctuary. Well, that's it. You know, they do the really hard work. You know, there are a lot more people who know about Homer than, than maybe, you know, any one specific rescue organization. But at the end of the day, the, the volunteers and, and the people who work uh, with rescue groups are, are really the ones who, who have, you know, who are putting the pedal to the metal, let's say, who, who are actually doing the hard work and, uh, and are on the front lines. And, and it's just great to, to meet so many of them and speak with so many of them. Well, good job. Big kudos. That'll be a lot of fun and, and very uh, gratifying as well, I'm sure. Yeah, so far it really has been just an amazing experience, as I said, to, to get to meet so many people from so many different groups and looking forward to meeting them in person on the road. Yeah, absolutely. So everybody uh, check that out. Check out, uh, I'm assuming you have a, uh, on your website or Facebook page, you'll have uh, listings of where you're going to be next? Yes, actually I'm announcing the tour, which cities and, sh- and rescue groups will be visiting on February 14th. And then the tour itself is probably going to start in May to coincide with National Adopt-A-Shelter Cat Month. So we will, uh, you know, there will be information on my website, which is gwencooper.com. And, and I'll be keeping readers updated on which cities we're going to, which shelters, specific dates. But on February 14th, we'll have a list of, of cities and, and shelters. And there will be a list of dates uh, probably within a few weeks of that. Fantastic. So we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that, get the message out to everyone. And when uh, Gwen comes to your city, make sure you uh, go and say howdy to her and uh, pick up a copy of the book, Love Saves the Day. And, and while you're there, get to uh, you know adopt a kitten or foster a kitten while you're there, a cat, and uh, help those uh, rescue organizations out. So it's a big win-win for everybody. We're certainly hoping to, if nothing else, you know, be able to encourage a few more adoptions and and yeah, I'm just looking forward to being sort of knee deep in, in cats for uh, for a couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> knee deep in cats. I know the feeling, and it's a good feeling. So that's a, that's a great thing. Well, Gwen, thanks so much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. Uh, everybody, pick up a copy of uh, Love Saves the Day by Gwen Cooper. Uh, it's great, great, great story, and big kudos for everything you're doing, Gwen. Thank you so much, and thank you again for having me on the show. My pleasure. Well, we're coming to uh, the end of the show today. And thank everybody for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Also, like to thank our sponsors and producers for making this show possible. To find out more about me, Tim Link, and the other guests that I've interviewed on the Animal Rights Show and the stories in my blog, you can visit petliferadio.com forward slash animal rights. 
and uh, download those episodes, listen to the interviews, and check out the blog while you're there. And while you're on the website, go ahead and check out all the rest of the shows and uh, hosts that we have on Pet Life Radio. A great plethora of animal topics and wonderful hosts. That's PetLifeRadio.com. If you have any questions for me, comments, or ideas for the show, please email me. You can email me at Tim at PetLifeRadio.com. It's Tim at PetLifeRadio.com. And I'll be glad to answer your questions, uh, entertain your comments, and bring on the people you want to hear most onto the show. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Share it in a blog, article, or in a book. And who knows, you may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.